Oh, hello there. Welcome back to the Tim Weichselbaum Show. This is episode 31. Yep, we're doing this. It's a podcast. We got to get it over with. This is something I actually look forward to doing now. It's not just something I do to get over, like exercise. I actually enjoy, actually look forward to it. It's always awkward in the first 30 seconds when I feel like I don't have anything, when I'm just like stumbling over my own fucking words because I'm not very good at like talking. And it doesn't help that I've only been talking to people that don't really enjoy talking to me. So they just go, hey man, yeah, what you said was worthless. I don't know, actually that's not true. I talked to some cool people today. Uh, they did value what I had to say, actually, and I guess I am starting to get people's to treat me like with respect, not like in a you know honor, not like in an egotistical boosting, you know, not in a way that's unhealthy, in a way that is deserved because I think you should respect your fellow man, if not just anyone. Like, I mean, like, people that are, like, I actually kind of am trying to be friends with, they should be respectful on some level to me, because uh, I'm a, I, I'm pretty respectful as a person. I don't like everybody. Like, if somebody brushes past me, if I'm sitting in a crowded room and somebody walks past me, like, bumps into me, and they don't say anything, that's annoying that pisses me off because you what do you we can't like excuse me i'm sitting here you just bumped into me you can't like do that unless you're like a alpha male then you could do it then you you could do it you could get away with that people oh sorry i'm smaller than you but if you're a small napoleon motherfucker and you're sitting there and somebody bumps into you you can't be like hey fuckhead you just bumped into me. What are you, a caveman? You have no balance? You have no sense of your fucking proportions as a person? You can't... Fucking idiot. I get it if you're fucking fat and over like, like a fucking morbidly obese person. Of course I expect you to bump into me. I'll even move out of the way. And if that offends you, it's because I don't want you to bump into me. Yeah, I'll make a path. I don't like to fucking scrunch my leg in anticipating that they're going to walk past me and then they bump into me anyway. It's like, fuck you, I was being being nice. If I bump into somebody, I usually apologize because I don't like doing that. Nobody likes being bumped into when they're just sitting there minding their own fucking business. Anyway, I, I was looking forward to this episode. I should do this more often. I might start doing it twice a week. I might start having guests on this fucking thing. I wanted to do it in a room. I wanted to build a podcast studio instead of just doing it in my living room or fucking whatever. There'd be less of an echo. You shouldn't have an echo. I do an accent sometimes and it bugs people. It bugs me, to be honest. When I do that Italian accent, it kind of does bug me. And, uh, well, yeah, I can fuck it. I'll just talk about that. So I do this thing on stage called sounding like a different person. I sound like an Italian, like Sebastian Maniscalco. And people call me on it pretty much all the time. So I'm trying to decide if I should focus on, like, removing that. I don't really care, though. 
I do it because it's fun. I, I don't try to sound like anyone. In, I don't try to sound like Sebastian. I just do it. Whenever I'm angry, whenever I'm being theatrical or doing comedy, it comes. I, I will slip into this Italian gangster type, you know, mafioso. Name your fucking, you know, famous example of a character that sounds like that. And I can't do it on purpose. Like, I, I could do it whenever I want, I guess, but I don't ever plan on it. It's never a conscious thing. I only do it when I'm, like, leaning into, like, a punchline, when I'm trying to hit a punchline. I don't fucking do it on... So it pisses me. So it's fucking a fucking problem is what I'm trying to say. It's like a nervous... It's not a nervous tick. It's not... It's, but it's, it's like a tick. It's like uh, um, Tourette's. I have I have Tourette's for being a hack comedian, for sounding like Sebastian, and I'm doing it right now. And uh, it's fine, but like you gotta pick. Is that gonna be what I do all the time for the rest of my life? Am I just always gonna sound like a fucking Italian guy? Or am I going to sound like I am right now, which is boring? Because is, there is a reason I do it, and it's because it's fun, and it does usually work. Like, if it didn't get a laugh, I probably wouldn't do it. And I do it right, I'm doing it right now. And it's like the godfather. But especially now that I'm conscious of it, I fucking, it is starting to bug me. So maybe I should just actually listen to people who tell me not to do it. Because I do think about this, and it'll never go away completely. Because if I'm trying to be funny, like, it just happens. I do voices. But now that I don't like it when I do it, just like on this podcast when it slipped out, it kind of bugs me. But I, I, it's a conundrum. It's something I'm going to be wrestling with for the rest of my Hopefully not the rest of my life. Hopefully I decide not to give... You know what? I think I should just not give a fuck. But somebody, but a few people in the past week sat me down and said, Hey man, I think you're funny, but you gotta stop with the Italian accent because it's not you. It's like unoriginal. You don't have to do it. You're funny without it. So just do, you know, don't do it. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna listen to you." Obviously, like I, I don't, I didn't ask. I, I didn't ask for advice, so I'm not just gonna take random advice that I'm not looking for. Like I know kind of what I'm doing up there. I know what works, and and that's one of the things that slowly started happening as I got more confident on stage. I started doing things with my voice, and it got embedded into my delivery system so now it's very hard to stop doing uh so if somebody just you know tells me to stop doing it of course it's not like i could do that i'm not just gonna be like okay thank you for the advice i'll stop doing something i've been doing for five years uh yeah that's easy to do and and also i disagree with you i don't think it's a bad stylistic choice you know it's uh, it's just something that developed. Same with Sebastian, the the guy I'm talking about. He probably didn't always sound like that. 
his whole life when he before he did stand i don't think he went up there and did the fucking accent that he does and the way he does it i'm sure that took time to develop for him so if somebody you think he's gonna fucking stop do i don't know uh it's it's i sound similar to him not that much like i think i sound more like andrew dice clay uh when i'm delivering jokes but also i sound like myself i'm not channeling anybody I, I don't know, maybe I am subconsciously. But anyway, the point is, I think what I discovered from just this conversation to myself is to just not give a fuck and just keep going. Just keep focusing on writing funny jokes and don't worry about the, you know, the delivery. I already kind of, it just takes practice and you can't give a fuck about, uh, it just you just know if you're getting good at it the longer you do it, all it takes is experience and there's no like hard rule i don't know like i could do it off i could practice off stage and off stage i still do a dumb accent when i'm rehearsing jokes i have even dumber accents that i don't do that i kind of want to do sometimes i like doing accents and i think that's just something i have to accept and be comfortable with and love. I have to dis- I have to learn to be uh, who I, am. I love. What is a fucking to do yourself or something to do you? I don't fucking know. But I gotta just accept that I do accents and not to let other people's opinions get into my head because it's stifling and I don't need it. I already know what my weaknesses are as a open mic comic and uh since i am an open mic comic who gives a fuck i don't know i know i could be better i know that i have potential to be not an open micer for the forever and I, it's disappointing to see somebody not reach their full potential so i i, I kind of want like for other people like when i watch other comedians not do that great i go well i know they could be better if they just whatever so i just uh, it's in this. I I live in a comedy scene that is really high quality in terms of st- standards for, like, you're not gonna be the funniest person in Austin unless you're one in a like. There's there's not that. There's a lot of funny people here that could smoke a room, uh, and so it's competitive. And a lot of people came here from L.A. Few from New York, no, 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 that not that many from New York, but from all over the fucking country. So it is a high bar, and a lot of people will disagree with that and say that it's there's not that many funny comics here, and uh, they just ain't looking hard enough, and they're just focusing on the ones that suck, which there's an abundance of, but there's also some really good ones. So it actually there is a high bar for for what it takes to kill in Texas, in Central Texas, whatever. Because Texas is a tough place. So to to do well here, you got to have tough, to-the-point jokes without wasting the audience's time. There's a lot of paying customers that will pay 30 bucks a ticket for comedy, and they want to get their money's worth. So, Yeah. I did the heckle mic again tonight. I didn't want to that bad. I didn't want to very much, but I don't have a, you know, who gives a fuck? I did it, but, and I, it always humbles me. It always, 
Yeah, because I'm not a roast comic, so I just stood up there and took all the fucking heckles without saying anything back. Because I, I, a, I didn't have anything to say back. I was like, I fucking was just like in my, I was like, yeah, didn't even flinch a muscle at the shit that they were saying. They're just like, you're short, you know? Yeah, I, I just stood there. It's like, yeah, and that, but I at the beginning of the set. I actually tried to do jokes, and I actually did a, some jokes that kind of worked. Whatever. And that's a great testing ground to see if you're actually funny, to see if your jokes actually carry, hold water. If they, if you could get them out at, at a heckle mic, they'll prob, they're probably pretty fucking good, you know? So I like the ruthlessness of it. I love that it humbles me and remind, you know, teaches me how to get stronger. Because comedy is is a very humbling art, uh, and I'm not feeling that funny at the moment. My brain is still damaged from COVID and affluence and political turmoil of of people not liking me, knowing that I can't please everybody. Like somebody asked me when they were giving me advice, they were like, don't you want everybody to love you? And I was like, are you fucking serious? Like, I couldn't believe another comic asked me that. That Like, you're a comic and you think that it's possible? Like, you're trying to get everybody... I don't think he meant it literally. I mean, I'm not going to try to take everything literally. But, man, is that the most backwards thing to ask me? Uh, No, I'm not trying to... Get everyone to love me. That's not why. I, yeah, I don't. I I prefer only a few people to like me, and the rest can suck a dick. I mean, they could eat a whole fucking dick. I like it when only a few people like me and the rest don't, because I go, yeah, I got these people, so you guys are fucking idiots, and it's kind of fun to feel superior. To people like because at the same time you know you got validation so you know you're doing something right all it takes is one person to laugh at the thing that i like for me to be like okay so you so i know that i'm doing something right so these other people well i don't give a fuck about them so it encourages me to keep going and then by actually being confident you might actually get other people to start getting it and laughing by because uh, you don't give a f- so you have to you have to fucking be ruthless and like truly not give a fuck as a comic you can't show weakness you can't show the fear of like oh I'm, I guess I'm not pleasing the crowd I don't know and I forgot how to do that especially when I get stoned before I go up that's like the dumbest thing to do because I, I need to smoke weed. I need to get back on THC because my sleep quality is garbage without it. It actually, I, mean, I just need to use it as medicine. At the end of the night when I go to bed to sleep and, and not have dreams, wake up refreshed. Other than that, I have no interest in being on that shit because the high takes away my anger. And it's not like I have violent anger. I have resentment. I have... Anger for sure. I get it fucking pissed off at people all the time, 
but that's good for comedy. It's better to be pissed off than like afraid of everybody like judging you. I don't give a f- you know you can't give a fuck about people judging you if you're trying to make them laugh. It's not a fucking yeah. So I do better when I don't give a fuck and when I'm a little bit angry. I focus better when I'm angry. Uh, so I did. I made the mistake of yeah smoking weed and it and it, and now I'm in my now I'm like so like ball like yeah like I had my ass eaten like I'm pissed off at myself for uh sucking at comedy which I often do I suck at it I'm like a prof- I'm like I think I have OCD from these meds that I'm on I'm on like these seizure meds I think I have like OCD symptoms that are causing me to get very like uh, angry at myself and like to def- give up on shit if it's not perfect. Like I could uh, really, I'm really bad at maintaining momentum of confidence. And I've talked about this before on this podcast, and it's uh, it's not a good look. But it's something kind of you know, it's not a bad look to be that. It's at least you know. Anyway, let's keep going. So somebody gave me advice about not sounding like Sebastian, and I was like, yeah, I already talked about that. You should not let, what I'm really pissed about is, is like somebody, it doesn't matter, but the point, what I got out of it is like you shouldn't let wi- women control you. It's That sounds like a simple overhead, that sounds like the most cliche thing. But I'm sick of seeing men with good hearts treated poorly. So I'm on team man. This is now a manosphere pod. This is going to be one of the tags. Men's rights. Fuck women is going to be a tag. I don't know. I don't hate women. But they are... Some of them are vicious. And uh, it's a divisive world we live in. Women, it's a tribal thing. Women pick sides, and they always uh, go against the man, and they have their friends that are conniving. Not all of them, just some of them, and it's a very small minority of women that try to, like, fuck with men and hurt them and, like, diminish them and control them over arbitrary things that aren't even good for them to control. You know, like, if it's about improvement... I don't know, man. Maybe it is a good thing to let a woman uh, fuck with you if it's to make you a better person. Like, let her uh, punish you or something like that. But actually, not not if it's uh, toxic. I don't know. I'm I'm trying not to get whatever. This podcast is seen by some pretty important people. It's a free podcast that anyone could just listen to. So that's why I'm being... Because, ve- you know, this podcast is meant for me to be, you know, talk shit on about people that I dislike, but not by name. Like, I'm doing it in a vague way so that it can't lead to legal action. Doesn't mean I'm a pussy. I, would, I, I mean, it's not about being a pussy. It's about not wanting to get sued. Because I, you know, somebody sues me for that shit. 
They have a they could make a shitload of money. Nah, I have a Napoleon complex because I'm short, and so that means I get compensate for it by getting angry at society, people that brush up against me, you know, people that treat me like a small person. And I, I compensate for it by lying about my net worth. Like I pretend that I have a lot of money and influence and power. I do that even though it's bullshit. Yeah. So that's why uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't actually have a lot of money. I'm cash poor. I, I'm going to run out of money soon. I'm going to have to sell off some assets to keep going. Hey, I got nothing to hide here. But, so, you know, that's part of the reason that I get, that I take the side of men so much is because, first of all, I'm a man, and second of all, because women hate short guys. They, like, they, they love to hate on short guys, and it's enough to not fuck us and marry us or whatever and date us, but on top of it, to add insult to injury, they actually take glee and pride, like, they actually, like, advertise proudly that they're not in a short man, that they joke about it. They So I guess that's one of the reasons that I am kind of on team man <laughs> and that this is a manosphere-centric podcast where we got to, like, take... Like, I, 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 men are going through it. Like, Johnny Depp is winning. He's changing the public perception, hopefully, because it's becoming more general. It's becoming more mainstream, to realize that women, some of them suck, and that not all men suck. Yeah, that's it's, a lot of, it's it's really become like a zeitgeist, a movement to slander men as a whole. And there's no word for it. You can't call it sexism. That's for women. It's androgynism or some bullshit. I don't I don't know misandry. I think that's it. Misandry. Who gives a fuck about that? That doesn't have a sexy tone the keyword like as much as sexes or misogyny that just rubs you a different way when you hear the word misogyny misandry what is that sounds like, who the fuck cares yeah so men do get painted with a broad brush as being shitheads and it's easy to do because we look like shitheads we're uglier we have deep monstrous voices that like we could easily look like a threat we have darker we have meaner looking faces we're just more mean looking as as we just we're fucking vile compared to women but you know some women are vile too physically but then there's these ones that masquerade as pleasant people women i'm talking about not men that they wear a mask is mis is uh, misleading, and they they manipulate people into thinking that they're nice, pleasant, you know, non mentally ill people, and that's one of the asymmetries of the world that is unfair and like it's not unfair, but it's just deceptive. You gotta watch out for it. Like this amber herd, these these amber herds, not just the but the many people that or like her, that masquerade as victims when meanwhile they are the perpetrators of abuse. That's what I'm trying to illuminate 
and help people for because I like to help people. I don't like to help women. You know, I, I it's just not what I'm about. I'm sorry. Like, I I would if I could help them, but I can't. I, I don't. They don't need my. I don't. They're not looking for my. Maybe, maybe I could. Maybe I could be like Kevin Samuels. But look what happened with him. Everyone thinks he's an ass. Like. Not everyone, but the mainstream opinion of him is that he was a sexist when in actuality he was a savior. He was trying to help women and help them find happiness by getting rid of their delusional, narcissist, brainwashed opinions. You know, like he was helping them actually find happiness by telling them that, no, you could... You could date somebody if you wanted to. You just got to lower your expectations and like stop looking at the shallow things that are not that important to running a family. Yeah, man, like if you want a family, you don't need a man that that has all the flashy status symbols. You just need one that's loyal and actually a good man, which there's plenty of. Those are easy to there's plenty of those. You just gotta. If you want a good family, that's that's one way to get it. That's probably the. It's just that they're distracted by this this glitz and glamour, of uh, you know they want to live in a fairy tale and they want the best man. That exists when uh, that man is not gonna give you usually like a chat like a high value, a dude that looks the way you want him to look, well, he's already got plenty of good-looking pussy to fuck him. And, he, you know, if he has family values, he's already with, he already has a fucking family. He's not going to want to be with somebody that's a single mother, not that attractive, that isn't submissive, that's going to break his balls. So that's all that Kevin's, in a nutshell, that's all Kevin Samuels was doing, was pointing out that, asymmetry in women's perception and you know that's it it's like <sighs> this is a very serious episode like i'm just, I, i'm a serious person i'm fuck comedy i'm not good at it i'm good at it in small flashes whatever i'm not a this is not the time for me to try to make people laugh this is the time for me to make people think and to therapize to give people treatment for whatever they're going through not medical just as a friend as a as somebody as a influencer i am an influencer so yeah this that's what i'm trying to that's what i'm going to be just a podcaster and a serious talker and again, you know, cuz my comedy I do have some ability I do have some comedy and it it comes out sometimes as very vicious and bad-minded and I, I don't know I don't know if I like doing that anymore. I don't know if I like being doing something that looks like hate speech and then having to like deal with the consequences of that because a lot of what I do is technically hate speech. Did I talk about this? Yeah, like if it looks like a duck, 
I don't know. I don't fucking do hate speech. It just, it just like sometimes I feel like that's what people are getting out of it. And because I have dark jokes that borderline pretty much are hate speech. If you get down to it, it just if it wasn't for the fact that I was trying to be funny, then it, it is hate speech. So anyway, but I don't give a fuck. I, I don't care though because that's it's fun. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna stop doing what I like. I'm not gonna start doing clean jokes. Uh. Anyway, so I told somebody that they got to launder their money, and they were like, oh, do you launder your money? And I was like, no, I'm legit. I, don't, I just watch a lot of TV. Yeah, no, I just know from watching TV that you got to launder your fucking money, dude. You're doing something that you will get in trouble for unless you launder your money. I, that doesn't mean I'm a fucking criminal. I don't know. Show business is like the mafia, and this podcast is so about, com- it's like, it is mostly focused on comedy and self-improvement, gay people, I, nah, I don't talk about gay people, it's, about, it's not about LGBT, it's about self-improvement and, and comedy, which I barely, I'm not in show business, I, but that doesn't mean I don't know a little bit about it from hanging around with other, you know, people that are kind of in show business, you know? It's very much like the mafia. There's all these backroom deals happening where people are like getting opportunities and losing opportunities behind the scenes. You don't really ever see somebody get their big break on TV. Like there's none of those fucking star shirts or talent shows. That's bullshit. The the real showbiz happens behind the scenes when somebody actually becomes somebody. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I know that they definitely get canceled off. St- I don't. I don't fucking know. I don't need to go. I, I, but there's some. Any there's always drama. Like it's. I don't think there's any people successful in show business that don't have a lot of people that they can't work with because of some bullshit drama that happened, whether it was true or not, that they complain about, and that ruins that they hate that they just are struggling to deal with every fucking person in show business is like fuck i can't believe that motherfucker won't let me work in his fucking club that fucking bitch i don't know i just i've met enough people to of a sample site where i have an idea of yeah of like how there's no such thing as being in the business and not having any any uh, scandals, like any drama, anything. There's no such thing as no drama. As somebody that is uh, pure and innocent and like, that's just how it is. It's a fucking gross game. And I am coming, I'm the type of person that just comes out of the woodwork and finds somebody to suck the dick around and be like a satellite comic and like okay i'm gonna be this guy's best friend i will always be on call in case he needs me for anything to bury a body whatever i'll be the i'll be accessory to anything uh i'll help him launder money yeah uh i'm that type of person i'm a sycophant i will lie to their fucking face i will tell them that they killed even when they bombed just to be in their inner circle so that I could get 
benefits of being in their fucking circle. So I could be like make a name for myself by getting just by knowing somebody. That is another thing that happens, and that's how people get opportunities. They they uh, they cock they suck people's dick, lie to their face. It's called being a sycophant, and I'm not really that. I only do it with people. I am that, but only to people that I find immensely talented in the way that I actually admire. And there's that's few and far between, motherfucker. Few and far between, and then the ones that do it, yeah, I I fucking I give them whatever I can. I'll give I'll hang out with them anytime they need me. And uh, but I'm not greedy. I don't have a necessary. I don't have a goal of like okay, if I keep sucking this guy's, if I keep being this guy's friend, my eventual goal is to get meet this other person, like, you know, use them as a fucking stepping stone to get to somebody more famous and work my way up the social ladder. I don't have that much of a goal in mind. I'm just, I just do a more steady approach of just like, okay, I just want to be around this guy because sure, yeah, it could lead to helping me. But even if it doesn't, it's like, at least I'm hanging around with somebody cool. And yeah, so I guess it's it's not really that bad if it doesn't lead to anything. And I don't really, I feel gross using people, so I don't really want to do that. Uh, and I'm not. I am not a fucking bad. I'm not an evil. I'm not a toxic. I don't do that. I. I just know that it's possible, and that other people do. And I don't believe in myself, so I wouldn't do. That. I wouldn't ask for shit from them. I wouldn't be like, hey, can you introduce me? Oh, yeah, dude, uh, can you send me, dude, he could get me on this fucking show. I don't, I would, I, maybe if I believed in myself, but since I'm a podcaster, all I want from them, if anything, is to get on their podcast. That's it. Just to do more podcasts, man. And somebody asked me if I was an Austin comic. I was in a, hanging out, uh, they said, uh, I was like, no, Chicago, I'm from Chicago. They said, oh, so you're just visiting. Because I was in Austin at the time. I was a comic in Austin. So they assume, oh, so you're just visiting then. I was like, no, well, no, I live here. I just don't, I don't want you, I'm not an Austin comic, though. I haven't been here long enough to identify as an Austin comic. I've been here almost a year and own my own fucking house. I have two cars registered here, but I don't want to be known as an Austin comic. That is a stigmatized, gross thing to be called. I don't want to be like the the phrase Austin comic just doesn't have a satisfying ring to it. That sounds like something I want to be. Uh, Chicago comic, that's cool. That carries more cachet. Because it's a cooler city than Austin. I'm sorry to say that. It fucking is. Like, I, I'm, there's so many things I fucking can't stand. Austin has some things that I fucking hate. 
and you can't get away from it. If you're in the fucking city, you're gonna experience things that are unpleasant, like people on scooters and the shot, like riding scooters down the sidewalk, full speed, expecting you to just get out of the way as a pedestrian. It's like that ain't how that works. If you're on a sidewalk, that's for pedestrians. We have right of way. I don't know if you know that. The people on scooters are the most entitled fucking scumbags, and they expect you to just jump out of the way. Oh, there's a scooter coming. I better get out of the way. It's like, no, you have to go around, fuckhead. So that pisses me off to to the extent of, like, yeah, like... Hopefully, like, I'm just glad that some of them get hit by cars. I'll just say, I'm just glad that it gets evened out by the number of injuries that are pretty common to have on those scooters. They deserve it. Fucking. So, yeah, Austin deserves the hate. It deserves all of the criticism it gets. Chicago is a cooler city. And I don't really, I'm not, I don't know. I'm fine here, though. I don't really... I'm, I live outside of Austin in a nice, quiet neighborhood, so... I, I just... Well, I know I... I'm, I'm, I, I have, it's not like I'm ready to bail on it. I've only been here less than a year. I could make it easily another year. And I have to sc- scrape up every last possibility I can from Texas before I even think about leaving here. I have barely scratched the surface, and there's other clubs opening up, and I, I, I'm a podcaster. This is a great podcasting city, so I could ease, I'm going to plan to stay for at least one more year. Anyway, so I'm not an Austin comic. I'm an Austin podcaster. I'm a Texan podcast. Fuck it. Who cares about labels? Uh, so I've only not remembered one person since doing stand-up like, that I've met, and like I forgot that I met them. But in Austin, it happens to me all the time where somebody will not remember meeting me, and that kind of bugs me, I guess, but it, like, it happens. But like I've met people like three or four times, and they uh, don't remember me. And it's, you know, whatever. I met a comic that I don't like, speaking of that similar, I met a comic that I don't like because I've seen him around, I've seen him on stage and I just don't like what he's what he does. And he asked if I was a comic, uh, so I, we started talking and I told him I've seen him around a lot, but I've never introduced myself. And he was like, oh, well, I've never seen you before in like a fucking, you know, in a way that was like, obnoxious like oh well, i'm better than you i've never seen you before it's like yeah i just took it but like it you know i was in a good mood but the honest reason he hasn't seen me is because i usually fucking leave the room whenever he's on stage like i avoid him i avoid this guy because i don't like him all i needed to know is that he's a douchebag like he has he's just a shitty he does jokes that i think are fucking annoying and yeah, so and and what a what a fucking surprise that he's also a douchebag. Uh, like, oh, so you're so I was right to I didn't prejudge you. That same night, 
I was in a circle with a bunch of professional comics, like real headliners, national, you know, and a powerful booker, like very, very important people in this group. And I was not going to, I'm not going to drop their names, but the point is, is that I was, I was in the circle. I was allowed to stand next to them and I knew my place in the circle. I didn't say a fucking word. None of them said anything to me, and that's why I didn't say anything. You're not supposed to, like, I know what I'm doing. I know that I am not allowed to talk. Anyway, I don't know why I'm saying that. I guess I'm just saying that to show that, like, there's people, there's professionals that are nice to me more than there's, like, nicer than these amateurs that just, like, make condescending, that say condescending shit. Uh, yeah, and I'm tired of hanging around open micers all the time, man. Like I got to hang out with a non-open micer today, and I savored every fucking minute of it. God damn it, I was starving for that. Because before I moved here, I was able to. I was. I paid my dues in Chicago, kind of. So I I got to hang out with the cool comics. It took many years for me to be invited. To hang out with real comics, the top of the heap, the ones that actually are getting somewhere and open, you know, they open for famous comics like Louis C.K., Doug Stanhope, Sebastian. I knew all those motherfuckers, the ones that opened for them, not them, the ones that opened for them. Never met any of those guys. Never met Stanhope. Definitely never met Louis. Definitely never met Sebastian. And then I fucking moved away. So I had to start from scratch. And now I'm lucky to hang out with somebody that three months in with autism that doesn't know how to say anything funny. And they barely even treat me like I'm funnier than them because they, they're delusional and they don't real they don't know that I'm like better than them. Whatever. They, I'm not that much better than them, to be honest. Cause I, um, cause I'm going through like a, long, uh, you know, self-doubt, uh, whatever, period of, like, bombing and period of, like, not being that funny and having, like, a a problem with my brain not firing correctly. So it was very fun to hang out with a real comedian uh, in a way that was, yeah, we were, he's somebody that I actually like and get along with. And uh, he knows how to talk shit. He's a professional at talking shit. And I want to do his podcast and I want to have him on this one. Anyway, because no one knows how to talk shit. So because I am looking for like real friends. That's something I've never really had. I've had it maybe as a kid. I don't, never as an adult. I haven't had any real friends that I could count on, you know, and that actually make me feel good when I hang out with them and when I need to hang out with them in a way that, like, if I'm going through something, like, if I'm down in the fucking dumps, like, I just bombed or something on a show, somebody that I could actually, like, hang out with and they will make me feel better about it. Yeah, haven't had that in, I don't know, in, in a long time. 
So I, I mean, I guess I had one of those in Chicago. He would just lie to my face. He would be like, nah, man, fuck those people. Fuck, you're right. You're right to yell at them and say a bunch of crazy shit and start a fight with them all. You're fucking, fuck those people. Yeah, I would have had your back. Yeah, that's, I did have somebody like that in Chicago, actually. Uh, so I guess I shouldn't take it for, you know, yeah, I guess, yeah, but I need that, I need more of that now. I want more sustaining, deep friendships that I could actually, you know, feel better after hanging out with them, not just feel like, what the fuck did I hang out with that guy for? It's like an abusive relationship. Why am I, like, keep letting, like, going back to hanging out with this guy who makes me feel like I just got used like he was just using me for a ride. It's like okay, I don't actually enjoy his presence. Why do I keep going back like a wounded, like somebody just to get uh, going back to like a toxic girlfriend who you know is just gonna make it feel shit. I don't know. I don't get it. I'm getting nothing out of it. Uh, and I guess the fallback, the reason people do that is because of it's better than being alone. That's it. And that's a trope, that's a common thing, is like, well, I don't want to be alone, I'm fearful, that's worse than, I guess, being with uh, people that make you feel like shit, I guess, is that really how that works? Nah, being alone is pretty bad, it's awful, like, just being alone with your thoughts, and just waking up and, like, just being, well, another day where I have nothing to do with nobody... So I guess I'll hang out with somebody that I know I fucking hate. <laughs> and then you do it, and you get back, and then a couple of days go, or however long, you just realize you just get, you got kicked in the gut. It's like, no, yeah, wow. I don't know why, I guess that was not a good idea to hang out with that person, but I was alone, so I did it. Yeah, so I, I'm working hard to make some real friends and because uh, I am a loyal friend I will I have other people's back if they're really somebody I care about and friendly you know we have things in common and there's a simpatico because it's not about doing favors that's not what a friendship is it's not like oh you hung out with me for three hours when I was going through a fucking horrible crisis i'll pay you i'll pay you 50 bucks or i'll give you a bunch of free weed or something it's like no you don't i mean you don't have to give me you don't have to pay me because i hung out with you that's like just knowing that i helped you get through something is all the reward i need because my time is not valuable when it's to hang out with somebody i like if you do the same for me, that's all I, it takes for it to be mutual and a real friendship. If it's if you're both gonna you know prioritize the other person when they need help, I'm loyal like that. If you cross me and do something that shows that you're disloyal, then yeah, I'm gonna fucking cut tie it's gonna drop in a second in a heartbeat i guess not really no not in a heartbeat you have to keep showing it takes me a long time to write somebody off 
in fact. That's why I keep going back to hanging out with people that don't do anything pleasant for me, that don't make me feel good, is because I keep giving them chances. I am so fucking patient when it comes to giving people chances to be my friend, to be, you know, redeeming if they f do something wrong. Uh, or even, or not even if, it's not about doing something wrong, it's just if, they, if they're not somebody that I like. I keep going, well, maybe this time he'll be somebody I like. And it's like, it's not, that's just not how it fucking works. So the ones that I do like, yeah, I will be loyal to. And uh, men don't have a strong support system as women. They could, a woman, it, when they're in crisis, they could just be like, hey, I'm in crisis. Here's my, send me a DM. And then they'll get, you know, 50 DMs by men and women. Because women are just more prone to help other women for emotional reasons. They like to, be, they're more sympathetic. They're more empathetic. They're more t emotionally uh, available to be that. So men will hit them up too, just obviously to, to fuck them. But uh, some of them, even the men, there's a minority of them that will actually just listen because they're simp's. They want fuck. They want a sack. They want a fact. But they are so nice and caring that they'll just do anything just to talk to a woman. That is more exciting than whatever they were doing before, jerking off to anime. So women definitely have it easier. When a man is in crisis, they can't just go on social media and go, hey, I need some help. Send me a DM. They'll get like, I don't know, two? Their grandma? One of the, like, <sighs> maybe somebody will send them a DM saying, hey, I'm sorry to hear they're going through shit. What do you, what's going on? And then that's it, though. Then they'll be like, "Oh man, I'm, I'm going. I just broke up." They're like, "Oh man, I, I've been broken up with." I don't know. It's just you don't get as much out of it helping a man in crisis. But, and I don't either. I'm not saying I have like a lust. I don't say I don't have like a fetish for helping other men get through emotional. But I guess I kind of do. I guess I kind of do have that. I guess I am kind of an empath. And I could see very easily from other... I, I have that... I'm very... I'm kind of above average at understanding people's pain and, and uh, knowing what not to say to make it worse and like being like, oh man, yeah, I get where you're going. Like I, I, I know how to say the right things. And I also know how to listen when I want to. Sometimes I get bored of like, okay, I, I wasn't listening there. But I, when I am listening, I actually do usually, I'm pretty good at knowing what to say to make people feel better. Whatever, I'm a therapist. Um, so I saw Ari Shafir tonight, earlier tonight, at uh, Creek in the Cave. They let me in. They let a bunch of, yeah, they let comics in to watch. Otherwise, it was like a $20, who cares? I like to get into shows sometimes for comics. Because I like Ari Shafir. I love Ari Shafir. He's one of my, I've known him for, I've been a fan of him for 15 years, at least 15 years. And uh, so I got to see him do a whole fucking hour 
or more than an hour, it felt like two hours, it felt like an hour and a half of working out his new special, whatever, his new hour for, it's called Jew. And it was all about being a Jew. And it was very interesting. And I won't spoil any of his material. I just, whatever. He did one bit about how every Jew ha like has the same genetics, so they all look the same and they all age the same like they all have jew pattern baldness and he showed that he has like a little bald patch and like it made me laugh that was the funniest thing to me that he did because i have a dad that's jewish and he has the exact same bald spot is art the same like fucking widow's like lack of hair pat it is so that's that was that was great and you got to play the high road. That's what people say. They say you got to play the high road. Like if somebody's fucking with you, if a bunch of people are like talking shit behind your back and like making up rumors and like hurting your career by, you know, talking to your people that work with you and getting them to cancel your shows or whatever, for example... Why you shouldn't stoop to their level? Like these people are losers. There's a reason that they're trying to do that, and they have nothing else going on. It's because they're fucking losers. Winners don't go around trying to hurt other people's careers. They don't have the time. They're busy doing real shit. So if you let, if you're fucking funny and talented, and that's happening to you. Yeah, you don't have to put them on blast. I mean, it's not going to do anything. Just, just fucking keep going. Deny it, obviously. If you have, if somebody asks, like, was that true? Obviously, you're going to deny it. But if you just start talking shit, you're just going to look like you kind of deserved it. If you just start going like, oh, yeah, fuck that person. They're fucking cunt, cocksucker, asshole, piece of shit, garbage. Yeah, fucking crazy bitch. If you just start doing that, yeah, the people are going to be like, okay, maybe he is kind of a dick. But if you just go, yeah, that's that's not true. Yeah, that person doesn't like me. Yeah, no, nah, that person is not very credible. And then if that's all you say, they'll have to use real evidence because what you know they'll actually have to decide well okay maybe like if you live if you prove otherwise that you're not a bad person by being a good person that'll start to hopefully people will look past it and be like okay maybe that is just fucking rumors maybe it is just because you're talented and other people get jealous of talent of real funny comedians they do so it's better to, in my opinion, it is better to play the high road and not, you know, Trump does it though and he's doing well. So maybe I'm wrong because Trump, when he talks shit about Rosie O'Donnell, that was one of the funniest things I ever saw in my life. That I was like fully on board when that happened. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe you could just, I didn't know you could just do that. I didn't know famous I don't know celebrities could just talk shit about other celebrities and dress them down and like act like they shouldn't even be celebrities. 
I thought that was really cool and groundbreaking. So maybe I'm, maybe it's a more nuanced thing than I thought. Because Rosie O'Donnell, I thought celebrities were just all equal. I thought like you couldn't like just try to be like, I thought they were all in the same club and they all liked each other. So like I guess when I saw him, like oh yeah, she sounds like she talks like a truck driver. I don't know. I thought that I was it was illuminating. And so I guess maybe it's more nuanced than I thought to talk shit. Maybe it is good to to put people on blast when they talk shit about hey, what do I know? I'm not in showbiz. I'm in podcast. I'm a podcaster. Timmy Gusto, that's my name. I got to commit to it. It's my new stage name. Do I like it yet? No. I don't like hearing it. Whenever people announce it, like your next comic is Timmy Gusto, I fucking, I don't like it. Uh, it's it's just not, it's too annoying. But uh, I got to commit to it because I already changed my stage name too many times where I can't keep changing it. So that's it. I'm committed to it. I create an Instagram account, and I just have to learn to like it because I'm the one who chose it after all. Like, And it doesn't matter if I like it or not. Like, I just have to fucking own it. Timmy G. So I did Kill Tony again for the second time in my life. Wow, I'm just so like tired right now. I'm usually more energetic. I don't know what it is. I guess, yeah. So I did Kill Tony. I'm a long hauler. Fucking COVID got me in the head. I used to think it was just a fucking flu. Yeah, nah. Definitely has some long-term effects, I think. And whenever I smoke weed, it always, like, comes... I always get, like, super paranoid. It's like, oh, shit. And I just feel like I'm underperforming mentally and cognitively. And uh, whatever, just an off night. Who cares? I'll do another one very soon. I'll do another episode maybe who cares whatever just got to keep trucking along baby so anyway i did kill tony last monday uh this is going out on uh, monday the 30th of may 22 2022 we are in the 20s uh and i uh, i wasn't thinking i would get up but i did i signed up as timmy gusto so that that's another thing that I commit. That's another reason that I have to commit to it is because I already used a different fucking stage name and like I can't keep changing my name. That will get me in trouble and I don't want to. So I am set in stone as Timmy Gusto because I did kill Tony and uh, it was a fun experience. Uh, I really wasn't expecting to get up. I just was going to go, but I had a set prepared. I rehearsed it a lot more than I did last time, and I I did okay during the set. I didn't finish. I didn't end strong, which sucks. I didn't finish getting to the end of the second joke, but whatever you try, it's swing and a miss. Uh, and... It was fun. I don't really know if I should really talk about exact everything that happened. I did a bit at the end, and our, uh, yeah, Ari Shafir was the guest. So I was able to end uh, Chris DiStefano 
was the guest. Two guests, two guests that are pretty well known. And so it was very exciting to go up on stage with Ari Shafir right there, just like fucking two feet away from me as I was confident, you know, trying to do my best to confidently deliver these two jokes. And I did okay. I was looking at him, you know, I was looking all over the place. And I was like, I could catch that he was kind of smiling a little bit. And I ended and I did the interview and I kept doing my Italian acts and they kept telling me I let sound like Sebastian. I was like, and I couldn't stop. I was like, yeah, no, yeah. They're like, do you like Austin? I was like, yeah, it's all right. And like, it was okay. Um, so that's about it. I'm just waiting for it to come out and hopefully I get a few, hopefully it does. I don't know, man. I just want to get shows. I want to get booked for shows where I could actually, you know, do comedy, not just do open mics. Like I want to have a reason to develop better bits because I don't hate that, actually. I'm starting to, like, rehearse bits at home into my camera. I just sit right here. I do the joke over and over, and then I realize new tags. I write them down, and I go, oh, shit. I, I just thought of a new tag without an audience even there. And then I try to memorize it. And that's very important, I think, to memorize it before you even do it on stage because I don't have to fucking look at my notes. Fucking horrible. I've, I've, I've been such a lazy, unprofessional amateur for the past nine years. And it's starting to reach the point where maybe I should try to actually build bits that, that are funny, that work, that are tested, tried and true and long like minute two minute long i want long bits i don't want to have to remember a 20 joke set list because they're all different jokes no i just want to go up there with maybe five topics at the most that i have to remember depending on the length of the set where i could just go okay i only have to remember five topics because each topic is more than a minute to two minutes you know, it's not that fucking hard. It just, just takes work. It just takes time and effort. So I'm hung. I I want more shows where I could actually get better at being a fucking. I want. I'm I'm hungry for that shit. So this the Kill Tony set was fun. The interview was fun. It was very fun. They didn't say anything offensive to me. They just did short jokes and how I sounded like Italian and I did some Jew jokes. Uh, I said, I don't care about the religion. And then Tony was like, what do you think about that, Ari? And I said, I had gold. Like, Every Jew has gold. And like they asked Ari if that was true. He was like, I'm not going to say. Um, so he went along with it because he's a very professional comedian. He yes and it. And then I took out a ingot of gold I planned this out for many weeks. I planned this out. I was like, okay, the last episode, they asked me how much money I have, you know, because I kind of talked about Doge and everything and how I have. So they're like, are you a millionaire, blah, blah. So I, so I was like, okay, I'm going to continue the joke that I am supposedly wealthy. 
So I was like, I got gold on me, not that much. I don't walk around with that much. So I just took it out of my fucking pocket at the very end of the interview. I was like, yeah, here it is. I just dropped it on the table. Clunk. That was the joke. I was like, yeah, you know, just pocket change. They were like, how much is that? I was like, yeah, it's 10 grand worth, nothing. You could keep, I don't even fuck it. I don't need it. Just pocket change. You know, so they were like, so that was kind of funny, I guess. And then I, and then one of the band members was like, here, give me, let me see. And then he just put it right in his pocket. And that was already the end of the interview. I was, I was pretty much getting off stage. So I just let him fucking keep it for the rest of the show. I just got off stage. Yeah, fuck it. I don't care. I don't need it. I'm rich. That's the joke. I'm going, you know, just to be theatrical. It would be very uncouth to just be like, yeah, can I get that back, actually? Like, I didn't think I could do that in a funny way because never mind, I actually kind of need that. I'm serious. I thought that would break the comedy or whatever to be like, no, I actually need that. So I left it up there for the whole show, not knowing if I would get it back. And it was, it was at least another 30 minutes of me waiting for the show to end. And so, you know, they called, they did some references to the fact that I brought gold and it was definitely, a, I don't regret, I don't regret it as a bit. I regret it for what it might do to my life for me advertising the fact that I have gold is probably the stupidest thing I've done in a long time publicly. So is it worth it? Well, I don't know. But I like doing high-risk stunts like that. Not even jokes. That's not even really a joke. It's funny. I guess, like, hey, clean my go. Clunk. And then they're, like, biting on it to see if it's real. Uh, that's more of, like, a stunt than a joke. But I do that. Hey, sorry. I like doing that. I like doing things that are high-risk, high-stakes, and that could get me in trouble. And so I did get the gold back to end the open-ended thing. I did get it back. I waited till the end of the show, and immediately afterwards, people were like, yo, you're going to get your gold? You better fucking go up there. I was like, yeah, okay. So I, I just fought through the crowd. I went right up to the stage as they were getting off stage, the band and the you know red band and everyone. And I was like, hey, man, can I get that back? And he was like, yeah, like he was bummed out that I had to, that I was asking for it back. I was like, you know, you could play with it for a little bit, but yeah, I kind of. He was like, yeah, you'll get it back, and he gave it back. And he, you know, he was cool about it, but I, you know, I guess I felt bad that I actually uh, that I made him think that I didn't actually need it because uh, I think he he really wanted that gold, and I don't blame him. I mean, who would not want a free chunk of gold? So. Whatever, it worked out, and then, but I don't know if it worked out, because it still hasn't come out yet, <laughs> and, this, and so I got the secret show, I, I got to do the secret show again, this Death Squad, the one that Brian Redband produces in books, he invited me back after, after doing Kill Tony, so that was amazing, I felt very on top of the world after getting off stage, just like I did the first time, because this, you know, it felt like even better than the first time because I did slightly better in the set and the interview just felt so like fucking fun. I was just so happy to get on to do it, to get to do it again. Uh, so I was on top of the world for the rest of the night. And uh, so I did the secret show.
the following Thursday, just, I don't know, two, three days ago. I did 10 minutes this time instead of five. I was in a better mood. I was more ready to do 10 minutes. I rehearsed. I had my set list planned out. I went dead last. I had to close the show. And there was no host. So I had to tell people that the show was over. I had to be like, okay, that was it. Did you guys have fun? Okay, pay your bar tabs, tip your bar tabs, get home safe, everybody. And like, I guess I did, a, I did fine. And I did, I did my time. I, I went over time. I did about 11 minutes. I lost track of time because I was having fun. I actually like played with the room. I didn't just do joke to joke. I fucking meandered in between in a way that was good, in a way that felt like me, my old self, being having fun on stage and owning this, like not being like a pussy, like being afraid of performing in front of a real audience. I was just like, you know what? I could do this. I'm funny. I got it. You know, I, people told me I did well on killed on the recent right. You know, that night, the night that I brought the fucking gold. Many more people came up to me afterwards saying that I did well, way more than I, you know, could have hoped for. So I was, I kind of used that confidence to be like, you know what, I guess I am funny. And that's sometimes all it takes for me to actually be funny is just for me to believe it. Because you know what, I, I'm funny. I'll just fuck around and be like, yay. And I did the accent and it went well. I kind of lost them a little bit when I did like very racist, unfinished, you know, kind of like jokes that were very edgy and not completely fleshed out, you know, because, but I kind of was being racist. So I guess they kind of, I guess I can't be too bummed out about it. But overall, very fun set. One of the most fun sets I've had in a fucking long time. Red Band. I don't think he's, yeah, he definitely didn't see it. He left before that. But it was fun to hang out in the green room. That is the highlight, one of the highlights of working the club, working the Vulcan. Uh, you get to hang out in the green room all night if you want. You're, hey, if you're a performer, that's what it's for. So I hung out with Red Band. We talked. I, I was part of the conversation in a way where I felt like I wasn't just an outsider. They were welcoming me into the conversation. I talked to Hans Kim. He was there. He's very solid. He did a good set. And so I, I was just very, like, just like the first time I did it, only a month ago, I just really savored every minute of me being a just. I just enjoy. It was just very rewarding. Very, It's a payoff to what I've been working towards for nine years it's like i i'm on a very cool show one of the best shows you know that you could be on and i did well and i got to meet you know i got to hang out with cool people and then i met the owner afterwards after the show i met the owner of the club he was like yo dude don't you ever bring gold to a comedy show. Don't you ever do that again. That is a stupid idea. <laughs> he lectured me for like 10 minutes. He's like, yo, I don't care how much money you have. It's not about that. I have more. I'm fucking rich. 
<laughs> and I don't do that shit. And I was like, yeah, I know, I was a dumb bit. But anyway, so it was cool to meet the guy that owns the place that works, you know, that Joe Rogan plays all the time. And we talked for about, I don't know, a long time. It was just, so I, that was part of the thing that's like, okay, so he knows who I am. So I, so that's another, you know, the gold bit, I guess, wasn't that bad of an idea because it gets people to know who I am. And, uh, I know that it's probably a bad thing too, but I'll just shoot them. If somebody tries to rob me, I'll just shoot them in the face and then deal with the consequences. So this has been episode. I just, I just hope y'all are doing well. You know, man, I'm doing okay. We all got struggles that we're trying to work through. I think COVID really fucked up people's ability to socialize I I just feel like people's interactions with each other or or is at a deficit. It's not just me being awkward. I think everybody's kind of a little bit awkward after that shit. We're becoming more distant from each other and it's we're forgetting how to socialize and connect with people and that's that's not a good thing. So anyway, I hope everyone's doing well in that regard. This has been episode 31 of the Tim Vikesabam show. I will see y'all next week.